Well, good day to all of you and Happy New Year. I've been eager to wish you a Happy New Year as we're coming together. And for me, I just feel replenished just knowing that a new year comes. I don't know why that is. Aren't you glad for the turning of a page of one calendar year to the next? It's somehow blindly filled with hope for what's ahead. And in, in fact, um, let me just ask a couple of questions. Looking ahead to 2022, do you personally feel mostly hopeful or discouraged? Raise your hand if you feel mostly hopeful. It's the vast majority of you. I took that question from the uh, um, National Pulse survey that was done by CBS in their uh, morning program show. And they asked that same question across America. Listen to this. 71% of people in America are more hopeful for 2022 than discouraged. I was startled by that in light of all the hard things that we're navigating. But then I thought, what if we move from the feeling hopeful to the more substantive believing that hope is good. So let me ask this question. Do you personally believe that hope, that is wishing for something good to happen in 2022, could actually happen if we listened better to each other? Yeah, that changes the angle. I've been thinking a lot about this so much and trying to just even give leadership in light of the global tensions and the national tensions and familial tensions that we all have. And I wonder if heightened agitation would be diminished, if alienated anger could be bridged, if personal relationships would be enriched, if unmet needs would be met, if we only learned to listen better. What do you think? You think those outcomes are feasible? Let, let me take it to another question, far more personal. Do you think that you could listen better? Now you got to sit on that one because we're all for everybody else listening better. But for me, I'm going to say, I could, if you think you could listen better, raise your hands so I don't feel alone. Most of us would say we could all learn to listen better. And, uh, you know, Carrie and I, we've been married for 40 years. I can't believe it feels like it was yesterday that we got married, you know. Yeah, I, I didn't ask for that, but that's great. Thanks for that encouragement because you do need it. If there's a lot of effort that comes to it, to marriage, not to Carrie, just to marriage in general. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I think about how we are today where we know um, each other's verbals and nonverbals. We've been together for so long. We know each other's heart and mind. Uh, but when we were first dating, I didn't know her verbals and certainly didn't know her nonverbals. It took time and effort. But I can tell you this much. Um, I know she wants me to hear her. And I know I want her to hear me. And I think that's the rhythm that God intends for us too. We want God to hear us. And we want to hear from God. And so I've chosen the 2022 word of the year. I'm just going to say there's a lot of twos in the 2022. <laughs> there's a 22 word of the year that I've chosen. And for those that are new, I always choose a word in January that could be integrated throughout the course of the year. So we're kind of in the middle of a great trifecta because in 2020, I chose the word pivot. And that was the most prophetic word I've ever chosen, because I'm not a prophet by nature, but honestly, I did not know a global pandemic was heading our way. It would disrupt every rhythm of our life, so we're adapting and adjusting daily and weekly, and it hasn't ceased. Pivot, it was a great word. In 2020, I 2021, I chose the word um, forward, 
And I took that word from the Apostle Paul, who really inspires my own life, in Philippians 3.13. In fact, would you read this with me out loud? But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. He knew what hard was. And the key in terms of navigating hard is to lean forward, to move forward, to keep going with the goal and the prize of Christ that is before us. For 2022, I have chosen an unusual word. It's a very fun word to say. Um, but it's a powerful word in Hebrew. And it's the first time in our ministry seasons that I've chosen a word of another language. You're going to learn Hebrew. And the word is Shema. And it's spelled there in English, S-H-E-M-A. So you want to say Shema. That is incorrect. It's Shema. Shema. So say it with me. Shema. Isn't that lovely? <laughs> Shema. It means to listen and to hear. Can you imagine the good that would happen if we could learn to listen better than we did in 2021? I think there'd be a ton of good. And I think having the urgency of impressing Shema uh, on our hearts and mind will be a key to learning to listen well. In fact, I have dear friends here, a couple at Westwood, who have tattooed Shema in Hebrew on their bodies. I'm not recommending you do that because I don't want your email saying that I recommended you doing that. But I have, if you do it, I have no issue. Go ahead and do it. But, you know, Shema, they want to keep it close, that they would listen well to God and listen well to each other and to other people in their life and journey. It's not only our word of the year. It's the actual name, Shema is, to one of the most important sections or portions of Scripture that is, um, we're going to give our best energy to over the next seven weeks. We're going to do a deep dive word study into this passage of Scripture. And it's actually the first word of this section of Scripture. It's found in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4, where it says, Here, Shema, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. So we're calling this series Rhythm, Living in Step with God, because that's our vision for you personally and for Westwood, that we would learn to live in step with God and find that rhythm in our life and journey. So today, um, because I'm setting up this series, I'm just going to give you some background about the Shema from Deuteronomy. And then I want to speak a little bit more about the meaning of Shema. And then um, we're going to take a few moments and look at five steps, practical steps, that help us learn to listen better as we enter into 2022. And I'm going to share that through two primary stories, an ancient story, that of Samuel, and then a current story, that of Tara, who's a member here at Westwood. So before we dive in, we just need a little bit of background related to Deuteronomy and how the Shema shows up. Uh, the timing of this writing that we get in Deuteronomy was about 1,400 years before the time of Christ. It was written by Moses, Moses who was at the end of his life. And Moses is not going to enter into the promised land after 40 years of being in the wilderness with the people of God. He's going to pass the torch to Joshua to give leadership to that end. So the people are encamped in Moab. And this is the parting words that you find from Moses. It's a new day for the people of God. It's a new year for us. And so the Shema is just a great way for us to start the year together. And the sermon is really about warnings and blessings. And can I tell you, it's a super, 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 super long sermon. All of Deuteronomy. Honestly, if you ever get frustrated that I've gone four minutes over, 
I pale in comparison to what Moses did. And I wonder how the people of God took in that message. It's, it's so long and it is so good. And it's filled with warning and blessings. And the warning is quite simply a call to resist the tendency that has been that of the people of God to move back to their old ways. Don't go back to your old ways. Find a new way. And, and the, the old way that they compromised the blessing of God in their lives is idol worship. They divided their allegiance to God with the things of the earth, with the people of the earth, and they didn't make him their first love. It's said that um, it took one day to get the Hebrews um, out of Egypt, and it took 40 years to get Egypt out of the Hebrews. And there's a lot of truth to that. We get stuck in our habits, and we default to our old ways that keep us from living in step with the God who created us. And yet he wants to lavish these blessings on us and to give our, we're to give our affection to him to that end. So then we find the Shema that is this prayer, a daily reminder, and it's embedded right into the heart of this sermon. And it serves as their pledge of allegiance to their one true God as the way of life. I mean, the life that you most long for and think of, it comes by aligning with this Shema that we're going to be studying in these weeks ahead. It said, as I already referred to Shema, as it means listen or to hear, but it's not just the sounds that come to our ears that's being referenced here. This is a powerful Hebrew word, and it includes action, taking heed, being obedient, doing what God wants us to do. And so in the Hebrew language, in the ancient Hebrew language anyways, there is no specific word for what we translate into English, the word obey. There's no word for that. So if they wanted to say obey, they'd say shema, listen. In other words, listening and obeying are the two sides of a same coin. Hear and do. Listen and obey. Be faithful. They are wrapped together. It's a both-and scenario. And we have some understanding of this. When a parent asks their child to clean their room for the third time and the child ignores them, there'll be an exasperation from the parent who says, are you listening to me? And included in the hearing is the expectation that they'll do what was asked. And that's the flavor of this word, Shema. So say the word with me again, Shema, Shema. You're going to get this down in heart and mind. When Moses tells the children of Israel, Shema, hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. He's telling them to take heed of this teaching that you receive and be faithful to it. And there will be blessings that will come in your life and in your families and in your communities. So let's take a look at the passage again. I'm going to add a little bit more of the context to it. It's in Deuteronomy chapter 6. I'm going to take it from verse 4. And it says, Here, Shema, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. It's that piece that we're going to do a word study on over the next seven weeks. But it continues. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. 
Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. And if you're so inclined, tattoo your bodies with Shema. No, I'm not suggesting that. No emails. I'm just saying I like the reminder of having Shema in heart, mind, and soul. That's the picture. I, I just... When I read that passage, I feel Moses' urgency for the people of God as they transition from this 40 years in the wilderness to enter into the promised land, that they would embrace the Shema, that they would love the Lord their God with all their heart, soul, and strength, that they'd give their all, and that would be the priority, and they would not fall back into their old ways. I feel his passion when he says, impress them on your children. That little word impress is a powerful word. And he says, just be sure they know it. Not just here, but in here as well. And it's, um, I think, a good call for anybody who's a parent or even a grandparent, that when you have the opportunity to be with your children or grandchildren, to reinforce the Shema, it becomes a compass for their very life. And I understand that it is actually contrarian to how some parents think about faith and how they teach their children. There's much more of a passive attitude in our day. Just let your kids figure out their way when it comes to faith. But can I tell you, that would be like living on Highway 5 and not teaching your children how to walk across the freeway or the highway without getting hit by a car. Um, you, you would teach your children that if you lived on Highway 5. Because what's the risk of them getting hit by an oncoming car? Pretty high. And so it is with our kids. Let's spare our kids from getting hit from an oncoming God or gods that will pull them away and call, cause them to fall into idol worship. It's that big of a deal. In fact, let me give you more perspective. In the Hebrew family today and even then, when a child begins to learn to speak, the first thing they teach them is Shema. Isn't that something? That a devout Jew, faithful to God, then and today, they recite the prayer of the Shema two times a day, every day, in the morning when they rise and in the evening before they go to bed. And the devout Jew, before they pass away and they leave this earth, their prayer is that their last breath would be the Shema. So I can't overemphasize how important this passage is for our own Life and what it means for us moving into 2022, and that's why I've chosen it. Jesus, in fact, you know, grew up saying the Shema. And when he was asked, what is the greatest commandment of all, um, his response was the Shema. You find it in Mark's gospel. And it says, the most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Shema. Hear, O Israel. The people of God, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. So Jesus is reinforcing for us as his disciples what was reinforced for the Hebrew people by Moses so long ago. If you've been here any length of time, you've heard me say this probably hundreds of times. And it could probably be easy to tune out because I've said it so often. But you know, vision leaks. So I repeat certain things again and again and again. And you can probably know what some of those things are. And this is one of them. If we could only get the love thing right, there's no end to what we could be or do for God's glory. We just don't always get the love thing right. 
But I'm going to tell you, that is not a slogan that I created. That is based on the Shema. It is given by God for us. And so the invitation is for us to do better in getting the love thing right in 2022. Could I get an amen for that? Could we do better in getting the love thing right? Yes, we could. Let's do that. But I want you to know it all starts with hearing and listening. And that's the focus of today's directive. How can we learn to listen better? Well, I want to turn to um, the scriptures and the story of Samuel, who gives us five steps that are so practical and so helpful. And I hope they encourage you at the beginning of 22 to, to begin that journey of listening better. And then I'm going to wrap it up with the story of Tara, who comes here at Westwood to reinforce what we learn even from Samuel. And so I, I come to this question, maybe as a good place to start. Do you believe that God speaks? That's an interactive question. Do you believe that God speaks? <laughs> All right, let's anchor that in because that's our starting point, isn't it? Jesus said, my sheep will hear my voice and follow me. That says that Jesus will speak to us and we get to follow him. So the issue isn't God speaking, it's us listening. And that's where our learning curve is. So let's take a look at the reality of Samuel because Samuel, give you some background to him, his voice was... Um, was needed. The Hebrew people have entered into now the promised land. And can I just tell you, they embraced the Shema. They loved the Lord their God with their heart, soul, mind, and strength. They were blessed um, with goodness again and again and again. But over time, generation passes and um, a generation came and they didn't love God and they didn't embrace the Shema. And so God raises up Samuel to be his voice to the people. And we meet him in the story when he's just a young boy and he's serving Eli, the high priest, at the temple. And God speaks to him. And he's a young boy. He's never heard the voice of God. He's not sure how to hear the voice of God, even recognize the voice of God. And so he's asleep and he's awakened with the voice. He thinks it's Eli, the priest. And he runs and he says, here I am. Three times this happens. And, and Eli says each time when he comes running, he said, here I am. You know, I've heard you. Here I am. What do you want? And Eli says, I didn't speak to you. I didn't say anything to you. Go back to bed. So he goes back to bed. And then after that third time, Eli goes, oh, the Lord is speaking to Samuel. So he said, when you go back and he speaks again, you sit up and you say these words. By the way, these are seven words, a seven word prayer that can change your life. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And so he listens and we learn from him five things that helps him in this journey of listening that are practical for us. First of all, position yourself close to God, both privately, but also collectively as the people of God. And I want to elevate the collective nature in the story because Samuel set his bed up in the temple. <clears throat> and we, we learn, it says that where the ark of God was, this is in 1 Samuel chapter 3, the ark, it represents the very presence of God. And though he's never heard the voice of God, he knows that God shows up in the temple where the people gather together in special kinds of ways. And we learn from him because, let me ask you a question. Why did you show up today at church? Why did you even come? Did you come to listen to me? I don't think so. Because you didn't even know I'd be speaking today. Did you come just to simply sing songs of worship? No doubt that lifts our spirit, but no, I don't think it was probably the top three reasons why you came today. You came today because you want to hear God speak to you. 
We want God to direct our path. We want his voice to, to make clear, give us guidance, to give us comfort, to give us encouragement, to help us and to teach us his way and his will. We came because we want to be in close proximity to God and hear his voice. So I want to encourage you to position yourself close to God. Yes, personally and privately in your home, but I'm giving an extra charge for us at the beginning of the year, collectively as the people of God, because Jesus himself reminds us where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there in their midst. That something happens when the people of God come together and there's an elevated sense of the Lord speaking to us. And so I just want to encourage you because I know we've been disrupted in our coming and gathering in worship, and it can it can become a, a powerful um, challenge for us when we stay in that place. So I want to encourage you, even though online is part of what our future is, and we're going to give our best to that, and we're going to continue. We understand that's part of a congregation, and what does it mean to gather there is one of the questions we're asking. But we're also inviting you to re-engage in the body of Christ called his church that he gave birth to because he speaks to us in powerful and special ways. And I suppose in saying that, I should be transparent and say I didn't always have that value myself. I was 22, in fact, before I listened to the Lord and entered into the fellowship of a church. I didn't think church was a big deal. But it happened because of where I was in my life. Um, I had graduated from college. I had started a business. I was working that business. I was engaged to be married to Carrie. And quite honestly, that's really all I wanted to do in my life is get married. And uh, I was waiting for her to graduate. And I was living in the basement of a home of a widow whose name was Bernice. I think she was all of four feet 11 in height, but she was a power-packed woman of faith. And she had a prayer closet would pray for hours on end. I've shared this story many times in our journey together, but it was a powerful moment of listening, would I or would I not? When she said to me, Joel, the Lord gave me a vision of your life that you're going to be a pastor someday. I wasn't even attending a church. How do you pastor a church when you don't even go to a church? <laughs> Well, it wasn't a value to me. I didn't think it was a value. And I think, well, why didn't God give me that vision rather than Bernice? Because I didn't have the capacity to hear. I didn't have the spiritual maturity to listen. So God works through people to pave that path. But I did say to my good friend, I said, this is what Bernice said to me. What do I do with this? And he said, come to my church. In six months, I was on the staff of that church and in seminary. God opened doors and he speaks. He does that privately. He does that collectively. And he did it for me, and he does it for you. Position yourself close to God. Secondly, serve the purposes of God. In verse 1 of First uh, Samuel 3, it says, Samuel was ministering to the Lord in the presence of Eli. If you want to hear the voice of God, do the things of God. Serve the purposes of God. It's one of the many spiritual practices, service, that allows us to hear with greater clarity the voice of God. Um, our team here, I just, I love our team, our staff. There's a handful of them that have spent several months for, in preparation for this series. And they put together a rhythm guide that allows us to live in step with God, to live in close proximity to him. It's simple. It's got creative ideas. Each week, there's a different heightened theme. So this week, it's on silence, on listening, on hearing. And each week, we, we know we need tools to help prime the pump at the beginning of the year. So I want to encourage you. You can download this if you're online. You can pick this up at the exits here on our campuses, or you can go to the info spot. And let that be a nurturing element to your own um, desire to listen to the voice of God. Third, we learn from the reality of Samuel 
to remove the hindrances. In verse 2, it says, he, uh, he was laying down in his usual place, that he had habits, Samuel did, that kept him from hearing the voice of God or recognizing the voice of God. And so it made me think a little bit about our own hindrances. If I ask you the question, do you have one primary hindrance that you think might keep you from hearing the voice of God? I'm pretty sure everybody here would be able to say, yeah, almost right away, this might be a hindrance. And it's good at the beginning of the year to acknowledge that, to be aware of it, and to give it to the Lord. So I want to do that, but let me prime the pump and give you just five simple examples real briefly. And this may be yours. It keeps you from hearing the voice of God. But the first one is busyness. That is the pace of your life. That is the fullness and the demands that you have in your life. Have you so hurried that there's not the space and the margin to be in close proximity to the Lord and to listen to him? I have a dear friend in ministry, a pastor, who um, was completely overwhelmed and lost his joy and really couldn't hear the Lord listening, or couldn't listen to the Lord's voice. He just was demotivated. And he went to Dallas Willard, one of my mentors at Fuller Seminary, and he said to him, um, told him his place and what he should do about it. And I've, I've never forgotten, in fact, it's written in many books today, what Dallas Willard said to him. He said, relentlessly eliminate hurry. Relentlessly eliminate hurry. To hear the voice of God requires that we slow down. You might want to write that, put it on your dashboard along the way as well. And then it might be guilt that you deal with. Satan lies. Um, you know that there's good guilt and bad guilt. There's true guilt and there's false guilt. Do you know this? It's important to know this because there's too many people, Christ followers, living under the weight of false guilt because Satan lies and that's where he wants you to live because what happens when you live with guilt? You distance yourself. You don't want to hear from others when you've got guilt that's covering your own given place. But good guilt that comes from God comes from the Spirit who convicts us of sin. And when we confess our sins, we're promised he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It sets us free. It doesn't hold us back. And therefore, we want to embrace the guilt that God sets us free from so that we can hear his voice. Or perhaps yours is anger. If you are angry at God because of what's happened in your life or loss you're going through or angry at others because of things they said and done, it can be a hindrance to hearing the very voice of God. And God knows we're going to be angry, but we're told also by the words of Jesus, don't let the sun go down on your anger because it will become an obstacle, a hindrance from hearing the voice of God, bring it to his attention. Or perhaps yours is identity. This always breaks my heart a little bit, the number of people that just feel um, like, why would God ever want to speak to me anyway? I just don't even posture my life with any expectation because I don't see myself as a child of God. But to embrace the beauty, every parent and child relationship is intimate. We're the children of the living God. He does want to speak to us. Or perhaps your trigger and your hindrance is unbelief. Do you remember the name Lily Tomlin? Anybody? There's, okay, there is a generational nod in the room that remembers the comedian Lily Tomlin. And there's a generation in the room that says, who is Lily Tomlin? <laughs> she was a great, great comedian in my time and place. But I thought she hit it on the nail when she said, why is it that when we talk to God, we are said to be praying? But when God talks to us, we're schizophrenic. It's the idea that the skeptics just don't believe that God speaks. But I already asked you this question. Do you believe that God speaks? 
Yeah, he speaks. And we want to position our life. So what hinders you from hearing God? I want to, I just want to give you a moment before I wrap up my message. And I want you to fill in the blank that I put up on the screen for you here. I lay blank before you. Is it one of these five or one of the others? Could you just take a moment? Put your word, your practice, that is a potential hindrance at the beginning of 2022, and let's give it to the Lord. You got it? Let's say with Samuel these words. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Say it. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Well, you'll speak. Just a couple things here from Samuel. Fourth, when God speaks, respond eagerly and obey. That... Um, we find faith is a readiness for God. I'm ready when I woke up this morning to say, God, work in spite of my inadequacies. It's a readiness for God to work. And that's what happened to Samuel. We're told that he just ran. He sat up, but then he ran for the voice of God. He, did, he wanted to know, Lord, what is it you want me to be about? What do you want me to do? He was so eager to do it. And sometimes it's subtle. Just quick little story on this. I had uh, a few nights of not being able to sleep. This is a number of years ago. I'd wake up at two or three in the morning and my son, who was an adult at this time, was living in another state. And it was his face that was right before me and a burden to pray for him. And I prayed for him that first night. And it happened again the second night. And it happened again the third night. And I wasn't sure why, because when he was a little boy, he would always walk into our bedroom and come and just stare me in the face until I woke up. And I thought, well, maybe, he's, maybe that's just coming back to play again. But the burden increased every night. And so that morning early after the third night, I called him and I said, are you okay? I have woken up every night for three nights in a row. And he just broke down and began to weep. He was needing new direction in his life. And we needed that moment, father-son relationship, to talk about it. And our father-child relationship, he wants us to talk about it. When you get those promptings, heed them. Don't just listen. It's hear and do. Hear and do. And then finally, fifth from Samuel, read God's word with invitation. We're told in verse 21, the Lord revealed himself to Samuel through his word. If you want to hear the voice of God, you got to open up the pages. This is his voice. It is his love letter. He wants to speak to you. And so I want to give you a big charge at the beginning of 2022. If you've never read through the Bible in a year, do it in 2022. If you don't read, because I realize more people are not reading, get audible and listen to the Bible. Um, and if you get it on Audible, you might be able to get through the Bible two times uh, in the course of the year. Or you can follow, for those who've been around, what I call my whatever reading plan. And that's when I, oh, I, I'm just needing a refresh and I'm just stuck and I just turn it into whatever page it lands on. I read it until God speaks to me. It's my favorite reading plan because uh, it's serendipitous and always there's a word, a command, a direction that I get from the Lord, and I'm so grateful for that. So anyway, with all of that said, the question is not, is God speaking? It's, are we listening? And when we do listen, we're changed. Um, we open ourselves for the blessing of God, his purposes. We get clarity around these things, and we begin to love in new ways. Tara story. You're going to hear it right now, but if you could fill in her blanks, which you could when you hear her story. You're going to hear guilt, and you're going to hear anger, and you're going to hear no church fellowship. We all have our things that are hindrances. Those are hers. But when she listened, oh, did her life change. Here's Tara. 
My dad was one of the best people that I know. He always made me laugh. He always pushed me to be the best person that he knew I could be based on who I wanted to be, not who he thought I should be. And he was always laughing. I remember his laugh more than I remember just about anything else about him. In 2015, my dad passed away from a massive stroke. And the night that he passed away, I wasn't at home. I was supposed to go home that night and I ended up staying out. And the grief and the burden that placed on me was large because I thought if I had gone home, something would have been different. In April of 2016, I accepted a career change and I packed all my things up and I moved away. In my eyes, it was healthy. It was the next step in grieving my dad. I was starting a new job and a new career field. So realistically, in my eyes, I was just starting over. Time passed on and things were going good and then things were just the same. I needed something else. I was in the same space and my heart was the same, but I was still coming up short. I was still suffering from the same things that I was running away from. I was in the midst of my personal training career and I had two clients that actively approached me in a very friendly manner and brought up the church Westwood. And I immediately said no. At that time in my life, I was extremely hesitant about my faith and letting God back in and I wasn't ready for that. In August of 2016, I had just finished with my last personal training client and I went out for my nightly run. It was something I did five nights a week. It was a good thing for me. And I had had a really rough day. And I found myself maybe a half a mile in and I was sitting next to the lake and I was sobbing. I just wanted to feel okay again, and I wanted to really live again, and not just in my sorrow and in my grief with a fake smile, I really wanted to live. And I knew that to do that, I needed to invite Jesus back into my life. Making fleece tie blankets is something I've been doing for about nine years now. It's my way of volunteering and giving back uh, to kids in need, and I found myself with no place to give them in the fall of 2016, and that's when my clients uh, recommended that I get connected with Westwood. So I reached out, and they invited me to come in and drop off my blankets. The day that I drove up to Westwood, I was shaking. I was nervous, a little afraid, to be honest with you, and I'd never seen a church of its size before. I parked my car, I took a deep breath, and I opened my trunk so I could start bringing blankets in. I walked in and I heard music. Um, I walked over to the Prairie Side Room door and I stood there and I found myself weeping. The moment I heard that music, it was like I had felt a calmness in my heart that I hadn't felt in almost two years since my dad had died. It, was a moment of happiness and joy, and I felt like I was home. My clients inviting me to Westwood was probably one of the most courageous things that I had experienced after my dad's death, because they didn't quit. Their love for Jesus was so strong that they continued to bring it up in conversation and make it a comfort 
for me. They didn't, they didn't push. They just, they spoke freely on how much they loved Jesus and how much they loved Westwood and the home that they felt there. It gave me a chance to walk into something that changed my life. I feel truly that I've lived more in the last three years, two and a half to three years with Jesus than I've lived in the rest of my life. And I want people to be able to experience the same thing. Isn't that a great story? Would you join me in thanking Tara for sharing it? I think about that. Just a few years ago, she was afraid to come in the front doors of a local church. And now she shared her story before thousands. That's called life transformation. And she serves on our greeting team. So if you see her, greet her along the way. I'm going to invite our worship team to come up because you know what they're going to do? They're going to teach you the Shema in Hebrew. And we're going to have some fun together. Um, I'm going to listen to you and join with you in singing um, the Shema in Hebrew. So as they make their way up, we're going to step into that. I just remind you that there is a rhythm to life. God gives. We receive. We give from what God gives to us. And God receives glory, honor, and praise. We're going to take that rhythm of life in the word study each week and use that as the primary filter to help us listen to God and live in step with him. So are you ready to sing Hebrew? Stand with me and I'll pray and then we'll sing together. So thank you, Lord, for the gift of life and love that comes from you. Thank you for the Shema that gives us a compass. And we know, God, you speak. So may we listen better and love you with more of our heart, soul, mind, and strength in 2022. And may we be your voice of love for others. And may you receive praise, glory, and honor. In Jesus' name, amen.